Okay, so today we're going to be asking a couple of different questions as we kind of explore the creation of man. We're going to be digging into several places in Scripture. Um, I'm going to I'm going to start with a couple of the questions. Like when we think about the creation of man, a couple of things should probably come up. Um, one question that I want us to kind of dig into first is why did God create us at all? Like why why did He create us? I think sometimes um, we have uh, maybe a wrong understanding of of why He created. I think a lot of times, like if you were to just kind of go out and poll. Um, the average church member and ask, like, you know, why do you think, and I'm going to say, why do you think, because most of the time when we answer that question, we answer it with what we think and not necessarily by jumping and looking into Scripture. Um, if I were to ask that question, why do you think God created us? What do y'all think some of the answers that you, that I would hear back would, would tend to be? Um, I think one of the primary ones that I, that I want us to kind of address first is I think people think that prior to God creating that he was somehow lonely, right? Like I, I think that a, a good number of Christians, if they ask that question, um, I, or if they're asked that question and they, and they steer towards opinion versus diving into scripture, I think that tends to be the answer uh, that we that we would see very frequently. Um, is that there's this thought that prior to God creating, there was really nothing going on. It was kind of boring. There wasn't anything really cool happening. So God got bored one day and decided, you know what, I'm going to do something. So he created, right? Like that God created out of boredom and um, he created us because he was lonely before creation. So um, we're going to kind of... Uh, try to strike that down because that's not that's not reality at all god was not lonely prior to creation um and if he created i like as i consider it as i reflect on um creation in general and creation of man in in particular like i think if he created us just because he was lonely then that that's kind of a sad reason to create it all isn't it like to create out of loneliness. And I think as we get, come to understand um, really the reason why God created and why God created man, um, that that it gives more purpose to us as individuals um, to understand that God need not create us at all. He was not lonely prior. And we're going to look at a couple of places in Scripture where we see this. I think it makes the reality of what He's done um, sit um, heavier on us. I think the weight of it will land on us more uh, when we understand that. So this is not the first time that we've actually asked this question. Um, if we were to, to rewind, if you were to go back and listen, um, when we were kind of addressing the character of God, the attributes of God, there was one particular place in there where we addressed this. When we talked about God's independence, right? What does it mean that God is independent of all He created? Um, God need not create. That was one of the things that we kind of addressed there. He was not lonely. Um, God was, in fact, in perfect fellowship prior to creation. And we can see this. We can see some glimpses of this throughout Scripture. John chapter 17 is a really good place uh, for us to start. We're going to look at two different places here where we can see this reality um, being spoken uh, of by Christ Himself. So if you'll flip 
with me to John chapter 17. I want us to, to kind of just refresh our minds on, on this, uh, this thought that God didn't need to create us and He was not lonely. Um, so, so John chapter 17, verse 5 is where we're going to start reading here. We're going to read two, two different places in John chapter 17. So, um, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to back up just a little bit. Uh, end of verse 3. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So verse 5 there, let's look at that again. Christ says, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had when. When did Christ have glory? Like, is, like, was it in the work of the cross that he, that he was glorified, or did he have glory prior to that? Right? Like, so, so when, when we see him speaking here, what is, he's speaking to, to existing prior to creation, right? And, and sharing in the glory. So, so prior to, prior to all that was created, Christ Existed, right? Um, God existed in three persons: uh, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. And we see a picture of this here. And they shared glory, right? So they creation did not need to happen before glory could be given to God, right? So that's that's one thing that we should take away there as well. Um, so glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you. Before the world existed. Now, if we jump down to verse twenty, uh, verse twenty-four, uh, we'll see Christ kind of continuing this thought a bit. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Right. So. Was what was the first time God loved when He loved His creation? When He loved the creature? Was that the first time that God displayed love? No. God had been and always had been displaying perfect love, perfect fellowship among the members of the Godhead. Right? So this is like like look look at what he's saying here. So he wants us to be where where he is. So I desire that they may that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because why? Because you loved me when before the foundation or yeah, before the foundation of the world. So God, or Christ existed prior to creation, sharing in God's glory. Um, here we find that God loved me. This is Christ speaking here. That because you loved me before the foundation of the world. So God did not need to create so that He had something or someone to love. 
That's not the answer to the why did God create us. Um, to start digging deeper into that question, there's lots of places that you could look to find this. Um, but I was, as I was kind of trying to put together some scripture that really, like single places in scripture that really gave this this um, this thought, this idea to the why. Um, the one place that seemed to that seemed to just I, I kept kind of gravitating back towards was uh, in the latter part of Romans chapter 11. So if y'all will flip with me uh, to Romans chapter 11, we're going to be looking specifically at verse 36 here. So Romans chapter 11, uh, kind of go down uh, to verse 36. Uh, this is kind of in, this is in, uh, well actually I'm going to, I'm going to read kind of the, up from verse 33 down to verse 36, but 36 is specifically where we're going to be, uh, focusing here. So, Paul having laid out the gospel, right, like we've studied the book of Romans in depth, and, and what we find at the latter part of chapter 11 is a transition from Paul having laid out this hope of the gospel to the practical application of that gospel in the life of believers. So, as he's reflecting on the gospel that he's laid out through 11 chapters now, he then comes to this like this point of worship, right? This point of praise to God as he wraps this thought up. And I want us to pay attention to what he kind of finishes up here with. So verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been His counselor, or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. Right? So when we, when we think about why did God create, right? Why did God create? Why did God create us partic- particularly? When we consider two things together, like why did God create us? And, and from that, what is our purpose? Like why is it that we exist? What's the highest goal of our lives? Right? Like what, why are you here? What is your purpose? Has anybody ever asked themselves that question? Like, why am I here? Like, what's the point of it all? Anybody? Everybody? Right? Like, when we ask that question, I think a lot of times we go a hundred thousand different directions. And I think that, that to some extent, like, like, that's okay. Because when I give you the reason that's actually very simple, the playing out of that reason is a bit nuanced, right? Like, the, the reality is, is the reason that we exist, the simple answer is to give Him glory. Right? You exist. Your purpose. You were created for giving glory to God. Right? So you ask the question, why are you here? Why were you created? What is your purpose? The answer, glorify God. That's simple. Now, now, though that's simple, that's nuanced. How? In everything that you do in life, right? That's why Paul then goes on in, in, in that next to give your bodies uh, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, right? So, like, give everything to God to glorify Him with all that you are. You exist for the glory of God. So, I want us to look at a couple of, a couple of kind of Realities that we see um, in that verse 36 there in Romans chapter 11. So, for from him, 
and through him and to him are all things. What is that statement? What is encompassed in that statement? Like, all things are in view here, right? Like, everything that exists is in view here. So, everything that exists is what? First, from Him, right? So, God created everything that exists. It comes from Him. It exists through Him. And all that exists is to Him. For what purpose, right? So, like, God created all that is. He holds it in existence for Himself, for His glory. We are, as, as mankind, we are the pinnacle of God's creation. Of no other creature in the... If you were to look at the story of creation, no other creature is it spoken of that they were created in the image of God. None. Not the angels, right? Not the angels, but us is the spoken of, right? So God created us and He created us in a very special way. He created us in His image, um, which is why it is the, the, the worst of sins to not give glory back to the one who created us in His image, right? Like as image bearers of God, when we rebel, that is like, we can't make light of that. Like we can't think that is some small type of thing because we were created. We We were like no other creation given this great gift to be created in the likeness of our Creator. Right? And though God, God's attributes and qualities that we've covered in the past can be seen in all that He's created, there's a special place that He's placed humanity. Right? There's a special place that mankind holds in creation. Right? Um, so from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. And, and we should say with Paul here at the end of this, to Him be glory forever. Amen? Amen. Right? So like, your life should be echoing that. In the way that we live, we should be living so that each and every moment of our lives says this, to Him be glory forever. Amen? To Him be glory forever. So as we consider that, as we consider kind of our purpose in that, um, a couple of things that kind of questions that come out of this, like specifically, like Lenny, you said he made us in his image. Like, like what is that? What does it mean for us to be uh, made in his image or made in his likeness? Like, what, like, what, what does that? What, what weight does that carry? And there's a couple of different places that we can go here. Um, again, I've tried to kind of find one place in Scripture that um, we could kind of read one text and then kind of extract out of that various ways that we um, that 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 the way that He's created us um, reflects uh, the likeness of uh, of our Creator. Um, we're going to look at two different things as well. We're going to look at how He's created us and how He's continued this this work in Christ, right? Because we're now, as believers, being made into what? Into the image of Christ, right? What, is that, what does that mean? What's the significance of that? And again, like as we consider that, like we're being made into the image of Christ, right? But what does Scripture say of, of Christ? Right? Philippians chapter 2, um, 7 and 8. Right? Like that He became what? 
flesh. Right? Like he took on flesh. So consider, like as I consider these, like these realities, like that we were made in the image of God so much so that God could take on the form of man. Right? And now we hope for resurrection that, that draws us even closer to conformity with the image uh, of Christ. So, um, I will Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like it's, it's deeper. It's deeper. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So like in what ways? Like in what ways is it is it deeper here? I want us to look um, in Mark chapter 12. So flip with me to Mark chapter 12. Um, we're going to look uh, here um, at one one kind of passage of text here. Mark chapter 12 verse uh, verse 30. So I'll give everybody kind of a second to get there. So when we think about how are we made in the image of God, like what does this mean, in what ways do we see this um, kind of play out in us, um, this is one place where I think that we can kind of um, kind of extract out from Scripture several very, very strong places in which uh, we are... Uh, we are very uniquely like God. No, there may be other um, created beings that share some of these. I think um, I think the reality is is that is that even though they may be similar in kind, right? Like like the like the angelic beings have been created with mind. I think there is there is a there is a great gulf between the similarities between us and any of these that we may be similar with other aspects of creation, um, we are drawn closer to the image of God, um, so much so that God himself would, would kind of say that of us. So um, let's look here um, in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And you shall, and so again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rewind just a little bit to give us context for this particular text, but this is going to be where we, where we dig in. I'm going to start in verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing, uh, he answered them, Well, ask, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So here in verse 30, uh, I want us to examine this this statement a little bit deeper. So, so. The most important commandment is that that the Lord our God is one and that we should love God with all our being, right? But he doesn't just say it like that. He actually identifies a couple of different a uh, couple of different aspects here. So, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your with all your what? Heart and with all your what? Soul and with all your what? Mind and with all your what? Strength. So as we consider this, a couple of things that I want us to uh, kind of examine here. Those specific words that he draws out, and what does this mean? Like in what way? Like when 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 we when when he says that we're to love our God with all of our heart, what is he speaking to specifically here? Like when we think about our heart, what what thoughts come to mind when we consider our heart? Right, like, what do you do with all your heart? Right, you do your des- your desires come from your heart, 
right? Like your passions come from your heart. The things that you love, the things that you cherish, the things that you care for. Like when we, th- when we, when, when we speak in those types of terms, we tend to say that that comes from our heart, right? Like we could say, I love you with my mind, right? But like if I'm like, I love you with my mind, you're like, well, why don't you love me with your heart, right? Like that would be like a natural like response. Like what? Are, like that's a weird way to say it, Landon, that you love me with your mind. Like is there something that's missing there, right? Like so when we think about that type of like those emotional things, right? Those, those tends to be things that we, that we uh, kind of associate with the heart of an individual, right? I would also go so far as to say is that from the heart is where we, where we find ourselves moral creatures, right? Like your heart draws you. Your heart is is the place where your your conscience, your your awareness of right and wrong comes in in a in a very real way to us is in our is in our hearts, right? The things that we desire there. Um, so in in one way that I would that I would say like when he's speaking when he's speaking and he says to love God with all your heart, I think this is that this is that moral similarity, that moral likeness that God um, has made us like him in the heart that he has given us, in the desires, in the in our understanding of right and wrong. And then he continues that on and he says, and with all your soul, right? So when we think of soul, what do we what do we what do we tend to associate when we consider soul? Is soul a physical thing? Like do we think of physical realities? Can you see my soul when you look at me? What 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 do we tend to attribute to soul? Like this is a spiritual reality, right? So when we think of when we think of soul, when when he brings soul out in this particular texture with all your heart and with all your soul, like we see that that we're we're more than just flesh and blood, right? Like we are spiritual creatures, and God has created us um, like Him in our soul, right? And that we are spiritual creatures, not just physical creatures. And then he continues on with that, and he says, with all your mind. Right, so so I think mind's probably the easiest one to to address here. Like this is the way we think. This is our thoughts. This is this is our ability to reason. Right. So our intellect. Like this is these are thoughts that we think of when we consider the word mind here. So when we're supposed to love him with our heart, our soul, and our mind, here we see that God's created us not just as um, not just as mindless and soulless and heartless creatures, right? Because He could have created us differently, right? Like we can look around us at, at, at many living things that, that when you think about, yeah, they, they think and react, right? But they don't think and reason and, and their thoughts are not lifted higher, right? Like you think about like your pets, Right? Like how much time do you think your pets give to worship? Right? Do you think it's even a quality that they could have is to think on the greatness of their Creator and marvel? Where does that come from? Where does that marvel come from? It comes from our ability to think and consider. Right? So like we can take in all that God's created. 
like no other creature that He's created, right? And you would say, well, angels, they're intelligent, right? Demons, they're intelligent, right? Absolutely. But we have experienced as believers a reality that they look to and marvel, right? Like the work that Christ has done, we have experienced in real ways that they can only see from an external view, right? But we can consider these realities. We can understand who we were before, right? We can reflect on how fallen and broken and lost we were. And we can marvel at the work that He's done and continues to do in us. No other creature has that experience, right? No other creature. None. So in this, we are to, we are to love God with our heart our soul, our mind. We are creatures who think and reason. And then he goes on, and with all your, what? Strength. When you think about strength, what do you think about? You think about, yeah. So like a lot of times when we think about strength, the first thing that we think about is like power and force. And like, like you think about strength, you think about big folks, right? Strong guys. Right, like warriors. Like when we think of strength, we think of power. That's where we come first. We come there. Like we think of bodies, right? We think of someone who is strong, right? So, so here's something, and this is this is one that, like, when I reflect on it, like this immediately draws me to. Uh, so, so God created us. And He's created us in His image. And this is one that I'm going to say that I struggle in grasping this. So He created us in His image. He is timeless, spaceless, and immaterial. He has no body prior to the incarnation. Right? He took on flesh. Yet when He created us in His image, He created us physical. Right? He created us with bodies and still said of us that we're in His image and likeness. Right? And then we see later on that He would take on flesh, which helps me to, helps me to, to kind of, um, wrestle with that. We're in His likeness and yet we're in flesh. And, and I think, well, He, He created even our flesh in the way that we exist in such a way that He would one day take on that same Flash, right? Um, so in, when we consider all the ways that God's created us and all the ways that, that He's created us in His likeness, I think that we need, that we need to make sure that we don't ignore that He created us um, as physical beings who have some amount to, to greater and lesser degrees of strength. And He calls us here that we should love Him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. And that's physical strength, that's mental strength, that's spiritual strength, that's moral strength. Um, but in all ways, we see that, it is, that, that in these things, um, we, we reflect the image of our Creator that He's uh, given to us. And then another thing that I want us to, to consider from this verse as well, um, how does this verse start off? He says, he says what? Like before He goes into with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, what does He say? And you shall what? And you shall what? Love the Lord. What is love? What is what is love? Is I, I'll, I'll say it like this: Is love relational? 
right? Love is something that you show towards another, right? So God has created us as well to be relational beings, right? So I don't want us to, I don't want us to miss that um, here as well because this heart, soul, mind, strength which we reflect the image of God is ultimately in relationship with Him, right? He's, he's telling us that we should love God with all of these things, um, kind of reflecting back to, to where we kind of started in Romans chapter 11:36, from Him and through Him and to Him, all things to Him be glory forever. Like, like this is like for us to show glory to God and give glory to God. This is an action of, of us acting in relationship with Him, right? Like I show glory to God in the way that I live my life, um, and to kind of to kind of finish up, there's a couple of different there's three places that I want us to to look at here as we consider um, us being image bearers of God and um, like like we do a bad job at displaying the image of God. Can we be real on that? Like, how many of you lived today or lived yesterday and you reflect back on yesterday and you think of yourself, boy, I, I did exactly what Paul was doing there. In, in, every, in everything that I had, I, I gave glory to God, right? Like, like, real talk, we fail miserably so often in reflecting the image that our image bearer our, our, our image giver has given us to bear, right? Like, yes, every one of us would say that exact same thing unless we were proud and boastful and still in our sin, right? Like, all of us fail in this, right? Like, and, and the beautiful reality is, is let's, let's flip to Philippians chapter 2 real quick. We're going to look at two different, we're going to go here and then we'll kind of jump back on track a little bit. So Philippians chapter 2. I want us to con- I want us to consider this is that we failed in fully glorifying God in the way that God is due for all his goodness and all his greatness and all the works that he has done. Like we have failed in um, perfectly displaying glory to him. Um in more ways than we could ever uh, ever describe, and, and yet uh, what we find is is um, what we find here in verse seven of Philippians chapter two. Actually, I'm gonna I'm bad about this this morning. I'm gonna jump back a little bit to get a little context here. Having this mind among yourselves, I'm in verse five, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not account Equality with God is a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in a human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Let's consider, let's consider how we fail miserably and how he never failed at all, right? Like as I consider like we've been made in the image of God and yet the work and plan of God was such knowing prior to creation that we would fall and we would struggle and fail to be perfect image bearers. 
He would come in our likeness to do what we could not do to give that to us, right? Like as believers, we stand in the work of Christ. So do I fail every day to be a perfect image bearer? Absolutely. And if I stood before God being judged on my abilities or inabilities to be that perfect image bearer, I would be utterly helpless, guilty before Him for failing the one big thing that I was supposed to do with my life, and that's to give perfect glory and honor to my Creator. And yet, our hope is that we don't stand in that alone. We stand in the work of Christ. So that when I stand before Him, I can come before God boldly because I don't stand in my work. I stand in Christ's work. Right? And did He fail in any way to glorify God in anything? Was there one moment in His life to where He did not fully glorify God? Was there one moment in His life to where His life did not scream out to Him, be glory forever? Not one. Not one moment did He fail. And we stand in His work. And our hope is, and this is a this is a great hope as well. Let's flip um, to Romans chapter to Romans chapter eight. So our our hope as believers, right? Like when we see Paul crying out there at the end of chapter eleven, to him be glory forever. Our hope as believers is though we fail and though we fall at his coming and at his appearance, we will be like that work will be completed so that we are perfect image bearers. Like How crazy is it to think that there will be a moment where each and every one of us become perfect image bearers of the God who created us. And that there will not be a moment from that moment forward in which we fail in any way to glorify Him. Think about where we are today, right? Use that mental aspect of of His image, the ability for you to think and reason, and consider where you are today and the hope that you have in the future. We stand today in the work of Christ. And that work brings us to a point to where we live exactly as He would live. Consider the the great gulf between where we live today and what must happen for us to get there. Right? Like, consider that. But that's the hope and promise that we have. Romans chapter 8. Um, we're gonna read, uh, we're gonna read a little bit here. Um, so Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Consider this. Consider this. Like, because oftentimes we hear that word predestination, and and we're like, my brain's going to turn off. I'm not listening. That that word's scary. It it's uh, I don't know what that is. I want us to get why that's a very dangerous thing, specifically for this verse. Like, if you hope to be in the image of Christ, this verse should be one of those foundational verses for which you say, like, how do I know that one day you will be perfect in Christ? 
How do I know? Because He predestined you to be conformed into Christ's image. Predestination is not just some like random thing for the sake of argument. It is the thing to found your hope on as a believer. He didn't predestine you for some random life. He predestined to conform you into the image of His Son. Will He fail in the thing that He predestined before He created anything at all? He cannot fail. Like this is a foundational place for us to consider. Like when we find ourselves falling and stumbling and tripping up day after day after day, our hope is not in our ability to do it better tomorrow, but the promise that He made that He will finish that in us. This is His promise to us. Right? And we know for all things... Or, and we know for those who love God, all things to work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined for something. Right? He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified like there's a, there's a there's a reality wrapped up in those passages of text that they're like do you feel glorified today like how many of you feel glorified in this moment right now right like but when he speaks of the work of salvation for you as a believer he speaks of it in past tense right like this is a, this is a certainty for you because your efforts, no, no, no. So never think that it's going to be because you worked harder. That way when you, that, that allows you to actually work harder, right? Like knowing that it's not your hard work that achieves it frees you to run harder as a believer. Because you fear not failing, right? Like failure's not a thing that you'd consider to be real for you for any long given Span of time, right? A hundred years we all succeed, right? When you close your eyes and wake up seeing Him, there will not be a moment where you reflect back and consider like, am I going to fail tomorrow? Like, no, you'll see that He's completed this work, right? So another place in Scripture, let's, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And this is... Specifically here in um, in First Corinthians chapter fifteen, this is a this is in a long run of Paul discussing the resurrection and our hope for the resurrection. So when we consider like resurrection hope and what we like like what we look forward to in him, um, chapter or First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse forty nine. Um, and just for the sake of time, we're just going to jump right into verse forty nine here. Uh, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, that's that's Adam, right? We shall also bear the image of the man of heaven, right? So our hope, again, is not that we would look like we look today, continuing on and in, in tripping up and failing, but the work of, of, of Christ completed in the resurrection. Go back and read this whole like chapter 15. Um, 
he's he's doing a great work in this, just uh, giving hope towards the resurrection. Because in the resurrection, this work will be completed. Um, we will we will completely, fully, without flaw, bear the image of the man of heaven because he has returned and he has completed the work. Um, let's go now to John chapter one, and this will be um, kind of the last place in in the text that we look at today. So John, First uh, John, excuse me. Um, chapter 3. So First John chapter 3, uh, verse 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Consider that. Right, I, I I don't I don't know that we consider that enough. I think a lot of times what happens is we consider our failings and our inabilities a lot more than we consider the promises that we have that we will be like Him. Right? Why we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. Right? So like as we like, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean that we'll be like him because we see him as he is? Like right now, we see everything very dimly. Like even when we have great understanding about things, there's things that hinder us from that complete and full understanding. But there's a hope for a day where we will see him as we've never seen him with our eyes, as we've never seen him with our thoughts. Even And in that moment, when we see Him, we shall be made like Him. Right? So, when we consider, like, as I consider, like, God's creating, God's having created us and all that He's done, like, the first thing that I want to, to drive out of my thoughts is any um, inadequacy in God driving Him towards creation. God created simply because He wanted to create. He desired to create. He wanted to create you, right? You exist because He wanted you to exist. You continue in existence because He desires your existence to be, right? He did not need you so that He would not be lonely, but you need Him for everything, right? And He's created you. Like, if you want to find your ultimate fulfilling, your ultimate satisfaction in life, let everything you do be driven towards the glory of God. As you drive towards the glory of God and all your life is being to give glory to God, whether it be in your workplaces, whether it be in your homes, whether it be in the streets, wherever you are, that is where you will find yourself most satisfied. Because that is the thing for which you've been created. Right? He created you to glorify Him. In all that you do. And you will, and it, it, sometimes we find that selfishness in us says that doesn't make sense because it seems like me doing what I want to do would make me happy. And you're right. The work that God is doing in us is changing those desires and wants to line up with His own. And when that's completed, you will do everything that you want to do. And everything you want to do will give glory to God. Like that's the hope that we have, 
Right? When we find ourselves struggling and stumbling today, oftentimes it's because we're out of alignment for those things that we desire and those things that we were made for. Right? Ask God to continue that work of alignment in you. Right? Knowing that, that it will be completed. When you set eyes on Him, when you see Him as He is, like that hope, there will not be a moment from then on that you will even cross your mind that you would do anything other than live in a way that glorifies God in everything that you do. Um, let's close out uh, in prayer and then we'll dismiss.